Chapter 95 A The Fig By the Fig and the Olive Among the Arabs of that era, and perhaps among all fruits, figs and olives hold a distinguished and unique place. Figs grow in arid and hot places, as well as mountainous regions, and require no irrigation. Figs are symbols of resilience in the face of harsh environmental conditions. Supposedly, they can grow between layers of bricks by using minuscule amounts of locked moisture. Similar to mulberry trees, they produce fruits throughout the season. The whole fruit is edible, unlike such other fruits as pomegranates. Moreover, they are sweet, tasty, well-liked, have medicinal value, e.g. its syrup can be taken by children as a laxative, and are beneficial to people of all ages. Fig trees, regarded by some as loyal and truthful, do not flower like other trees. Rather, their fruits are their flowers. Fruit trees usually bloom, but maybe only 10% of their blooms turn into fruits. In contrast, fig trees produce fruits within a few months and produce more once their fruit is picked. In the plant kingdom, these trees use the least amount of resources, produce high energy, useful and beneficial fruits, and can adapt to nature's harsh conditions. This example shows that humans can also change and adapt when faced with difficult conditions and new environments. Olive trees, which can grow in arid climates but are not well suited for it, manifest their resilience differently as they often grow in areas with strong and gusty winds. These winds can bend them completely, however, they cannot be broken because they are very flexible and pliable. They are usually planted, at least in ancient times, in the mountainous regions of Lebanon and Mount Sinai, for they thrive in inhospitable areas and mountainous places with little soil. Their roots attach themselves to crevices and draw the maximum amount of benefit from a minimal amount of soil. Fig trees produce sweet fruits with medicinal value, whereas olive trees yield one of the best and easiest digestible fruits and clearest oils. Olive oil also has industrial value. In fact, before the discovery of oil and petroleum, it was used to produce light in lamps. These trees can live up to a thousand years, grow very tall and produce a heavy load of fruits. The chapter's first two oaths point out that some plants also have the best taqwim and can be used as symbols of rising, strength, and growing in perfection. The discussion now shifts from nature to history in coming verses. And Mount Sinai. God addressed Moses at Mount Sinai. Tur Sina. Etymologically, Tur means twisted and crooked. Mount Sinai is made up of winding valleys and a mountainous region that, during that era, contained olive trees. The majority of Israelite prophets, among them Moses and Jesus, hailed from this region. After Moses fled from Egypt, he went to Madian and lived with Shaib for ten years as a shepherd as well as a student, learning the skills 
needed to be a leader. This harsh environment taught him to endure hardship, which prepared him for his return to Egypt and the subsequent difficulties and sights, the murder and torture of Israelites that he would witness there. That barren land and harsh environment prepared and then brought forth a decent and worthy man who lived a fruitful life. Other Israelite prophets, such as Jacob and Joseph, were also raised in this region, as opposed to such hospitable places as the Mediterranean. Thus, one cannot logically claim that pleasant environmental conditions are prerequisites for growth because prophets arose from such deprived regions and gradually learned how to deal with insurmountable difficulties both in their ancestral lands and their lives. And this secure city. The fourth oath is to Mecca, which flourished gradually only after Abraham planted the seeds for this possibility in an uninhabited valley. Abraham's son, Ishmael, and his descendants became custodians of the Kaaba. As tribes began to settle down there, they became engaged in constant warfare and turned it into a battleground between truth, monotheism, and falsehood, polytheism, for a few thousand years. This is how a center for monotheism was created to contend with polytheism and idol worship. These two examples show that great results can be achieved with a minimum of opportunities. One needs to study history in order to understand the relationship between people and what kind of environment produced them. What conclusions can we draw in terms of the message of these oaths are discussed in the following verses. We created man in the most beautiful stature, mold. The superlative Ahsan means the most beautiful, best and beneficent. Taqweem, mold, is a verbal noun which connotes a state of growth, rising and perfection. Just as such quality trees can grow and produce fruits in that hot, barren and arid land, so can noble people achieve the highest stages and excel even under the hardest circumstances. Everyone is endowed with such an aptitude because God fashioned each person in due proportion and blew his spirit into him and her. Chapter 15 verse 29 this is why only humans have been endowed with the abilities to acquire and then manifest divine attributes, and why only they enjoy freedom and willpower. In short, humanity was the only member of creation willing to accept this trust. Then brought him down to the lowest of the low. The particle thumma means gradually, and radadnahu means to send or throw him back, to Asfala Safilin, the depths of the lowest of the low. But why would God create a perfect creature and then make it the lowest of the low? How can such a decision make any sense? Rad is the opposite of Raja, return. Quran chapter 2 verse 156 says, To God we belong and to Him is our return. Thus, all of us are on a journey toward him, a lifelong one that begins with our ascent 
from a weak and deficient position to one of striving towards spiritual perfection. Usually something returns to that with which it shares some degree of homogeneity. Thus our return to him is an ascent, whereas Rad indicates our descent from a high position to a lower one. Is there a way to avoid the fall? Yes, there is one exception discussed in the next verse. Except those who believe and do good deeds, theirs will be a reward unending. We can compare this to a remote-controlled model airplane that can continue to rise to high altitudes. However, it will start to descend if the motor suddenly stops. We should bear in mind that this airplane has two engines, faith, illa ladina amanu, and good deeds, wa'amilu salihat. We are created with the best aptitude and capacity to rise, but it is up to us to actualize this innate potentiality by nurturing it. By turning on our engine, we can ascend to great heights and thereby avoid descending to the lowest of the low for eternity. According to chapter 43, verse 72, paradise is the earned legacy of our deeds, a consequence of our striving to make our inner being heavenly. This station is not something given to us as a free gift from God. Rather, it is something that we have to earn. We all are born with this potentiality, just as the seeds of olives and figs contain blueprints for their growth. The only difference between us and them is that God has given us, and only us, the freedom and willpower to strive for and attain spiritual perfection through God's guidance. Where do those who turn on their engines end up? According to the Quran, this ascent does not have a final destination. Ajr means reward, and mamnoon is derived from manna, which means to cut. Thus, ajrun ghayru mamnoon connotes an infinite reward, for it all depends on how far a person can ascend. Our reward is proportional to our ascension, and we can go as far as our deeds take us. What then causes you to deny the recompense? The word deen here does not connote Islam or any other religion. Etymologically, it means the above-mentioned reward and recompense. Of course, deen has other applications, such as in phrases like Yomuddin, which is another name for the Day of Judgment, the day upon which we will reap all that we have sown. The gravitational force of whim, caprice, and satanic inclinations pushes humans downward. God tells us to give interest-free loans to the needy, be patient in the face of difficulty, avoid indulging in vengeance, and give our life for the cause of truth. Paradise is like a gift that one cannot easily unwrap without performing a great number of virtuous deeds. He also points out that hell is wrapped in indecent deeds driven by our lower self's inclinations. It is natural that one does not want to turn on the engine, because then one would have to deal with the resulting self-applied pressure to begin one's ascent. We can attain a position superior to all creatures only if we are willing to work hard. So how can you reject deen or your aptitude and ability to ascend 
until you attain perfection. Are you willing to deny yourself the gradual perfection exemplified by the fig and olive examples given above? What causes you to ignore the consequence of your actions? Quran chapter 45 verse 22 reminds us that He created the heavens and earth so that each soul may strive to earn a proportional recompense. In other words, this world is subservient to us and we must prove to be good stewards of the resources placed in our charge and use them wisely. Is not God the wisest of judges? God's hukum is the laws and order he has devised for us. Deen is just one of them, which means that people will reap what they have sown. Only three verses link insan and fi. Chapter 95 verse 5 chapter 103, verse 2, and chapter 90, verse 4. These verses state the same truth that human must struggle to grow and ascend toward the next spiritual stage. All three verses offer an exception to this by using the phrase illa ladina. Chapter 103, al-Asr, adds two more engines to our twin-engine aircraft. Except those who have faith, do good deeds, and urge one another to truth, and urge one another to patience and constancy. Not only do you have to grow, but you also have to help others grow by counseling and encouraging them to have patience, perseverance, and truthfulness, forbear difficulties, and strive to ascend. In reality, people have responsibilities towards others and their community. These three chapters show three aspects of the same truth and emphasize that the only path to salvation is that of faith and action, i.e. performing good deeds, both of which actualize our potentiality. Both of these are difficult. However, we are all in a state of loss as time is passing us by, unless we somehow attain something that can compensate us for this loss.